Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Anthony Maluski. Anthony, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Thanks, George, for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. Anthony is the chairman of Nickel 28. They are a battery metals-focused investment company with a focus on metal streaming and royalty agreements. Anthony, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Yeah, no. Um, look, I, I love the outdoors, uh, fishing, rafting, skiing. And so, you know, I, I've spent my life kind of pursuing these outdoor hobbies and interests. And because of that, especially as the world has changed in the last five or 10 years, I've become really focused on figuring out a way to make money and save the environment at the same time. And so, uh, you know, I spend my time enjoying the outdoors and then trying to save it. Well, I certainly respect and appreciate that. How is it? How is it going so far? Well, you know, I mean, things change over time. You know, we um, we first we've kind of tried to think about you know metals like nickel and copper that go into electric vehicles. But you know, one of the things that's really kind of happened in the last few years is awareness around um, carbon emissions and thinking about ways to really uh, you know change the paradigm. And so. You know, what we've tried to do is really change the model or spend the model and think about uh, you know ways to make money and and also help protect the environment at the same time. And so that's kind of what we've been focused on is thinking ways to do that. And 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 while you know nickel nickel does that partially because it helps transition away from you know oil and 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 um, those types of natural resources. I think one of the things we've been doing is thinking about ways to protect forests and write carbon credits at the same time. And what that does is, you know, it, it gives companies the carbon credits they need for their um, voluntary programs, like saying we want to offset our flight to, to Paris. On the other hand, it also just protects wildlands. So it's a pretty interesting thing that we've been looking at and, and thinking about in the last couple of years. Nice. Well, I'm excited to learn more about that. How did you get into this uh, space industry? You know, it's funny, a long time ago, like talking 15 or 16 years ago, I um, went to law school. I never really practiced law. I went to law school, and I took my first job in Moscow in Russia. Um, and, and at the time, it was kind of the peak or approaching the peak of the bull market. And and all the transactions we were working on were natural resource transactions. They were gold companies and oil companies and timber companies. And so um, it kind of just got me really interested in and natural resources. And, you know, one of the things people forget is if you, as a listener, if you look around the room that you're in right now, or, you know, once you go inside and you think about it, almost everything you can see is either grown or mined. And so, you know, the, the natural world, whether it's um, altered through some sort of a process like an ore mined and then smelted and turned into copper or whether it's grown and cut and made the chair you're sitting on, you know, the, the the stuff we use every day is, is mined or grown, and so that's real. And it was always interesting for me to kind of deal in, in commodities that were real and impacting the way that we lived our lives and and what we were able to do with our lives. Yeah, well, there's uh, th- 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 that's that's a fascinating exercise to just sort. Of, I'm just looking around the space that I'm in right now. I'm like, okay, wow, that is sort of the reality is that 
this stuff does not just appear out of thin air. I guess some of the stuff that grows does, but uh, but it's fascinating. How how long were you in Russia? I was there for a few years, um, and you know from there I transitioned into to, to leaving and, and going to New York, and then I was in New York for a long time before I moved on to London. So you know I was in those financial centers, and that's because you know financing. Uh, big projects, you know, whether it's a mine or whether it's really anything, a lot of that finance is done out of New York and London. Um, I mean, also, also to a lesser extent, you know, in, in Sydney and, and Toronto as well, but spending time in those hubs gives you access to, you know, the different infrastructure. Historically, you've needed, I don't know, uh, in a COVID world, I don't know what that's going to look like if people go back to the office, office or not, but uh, that's certainly what it looked like at the time. Got it. Nice. All right. So, you get, for lack of a better term, exposed, turned on to um, working in in this industry of, of natural resources right out of law school, and then you spend time continuing all over the world and learning more about this and becoming more interested in it, and then you sort of recognize your 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 love of nature and the problems that we're experiencing as 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 a planet. And you say, okay, I think I can actually marry these two things together, uh, natural resources, precious metals, metals with um, this carbon credit and help forests and other natural resources. And does that sort of get us to where we are today? Yeah, no, I think that's a great, that's a great um, overview of that. And that's sort of a longer path to get you there. But, but ultimately, yeah, that, that's right. So how does that actually manifest? How how is like what? T- tell us a little bit about what that business actually looks like. Yeah, well, I'm involved in a few businesses. I mean, I think um, one of them is straightforward. At Nickel Twenty Eight, we were the largest producer of MHP, which is called a mixed hydroxide. It, you know, it's, it's kind of an esoteric thing, but basically, we are um, producing the nickel that goes into the batteries that are electric vehicles or power walls or, you know, any of the different companies and cars out there uh, that, that are going to be electric or will be, you know, will be electric. We are helping to, to create a supply chain that allows that to happen. So I think that's part of the energy transition that's underway globally. And then the other one with carbon credits is really around investing in projects globally that, um, can actually protect forest land, protect wildlife, and also generate a return. And that return is both social and economic. And I think, you know, one of the problems to date has been that a lot of the return that NGOs have sought in the climate space and, and just really generally, it's, it's worth thinking about if, if you work in an NGO, is they sought social return, and that's an important return and, and, um, and noble in its own right. But I think that we just live in this world where if you want to get something done, if you can also seek an economic return, for that social cause, you know, you have a better chance of achieving it. And so what we've tried to do is seek that economic return through investing in these projects to protect forest lands, to protect wildlife, wetlands, oceans, potentially, and, and write a carbon credit on it. And, and um, an example would be you have 30,000 acres, I'm just making it up, and you know, that, that land is slated to be forested uh, in the coming years. Because it's endangered, you could potentially buy that land and then use the carbon offset from that land to pay for the land and, and give your investors return. So that's a really simple example. There are obviously other examples, but that market has, has kind of been transformed in the last three or four years as more and more companies, whether it's a Delta Airlines or 
the shell have come out and said that that they uh, are voluntarily going to offset their carbon footprint by 2020, 2040, 2060, whatever whatever date they kind of put out there. Um, that requires credits, and so it's a pretty unique time to help them achieve their climate goals while preserving huge uh, swaths of nature at the same time. Yeah, certainly that sounds like one of those win-wins that uh, that, that that we hear and read about and, and, and I'll certainly want. So I think that's really exciting. We had the opportunity to have uh, Sir Ronnie Cohen on the show, and he is um, one of the sort of grandfathers, godfathers of, of impact investing. And that's really one of the things he talked about was, was exactly what you just said, how it's nice to have social uh, social efforts and wants and returns, but but actually putting an economic return on these things, that's really what's going to drive change. So I think that's, I think that's really spot on. Would love to talk. Yeah, more. I think, I think it's something actually for, yeah, I, mean, I think it's, it's like one of the important things too, for people working in, in not for public sector is like, you know, and, and, and even something I would just suggest that you think about if that's what you're doing is like, we could all agree probably that what you're doing, it has a great social impact, but if, if there's a way to change it from you're having to kind of raise, and this isn't going to be true for everything, but um, you know, for some of these ideas, if there's a way to change it from needing to raise annually to sustain your mission to somehow uh, putting an economic return on it, I think it just enables you to more successfully go out and, and try to achieve whatever changes you're looking for. Like I said, it's not possible for every single one of these um Initiatives, but I think certainly it's it's more possible than than has been has been done today. Yeah, it, it makes sense. So you are with 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 one of your companies with one of your endeavors. You are identifying opportunities, like you. I, th- I think you mentioned like a wetland or a grassland or a forest. So you're able to identify here's an opportunity that this is an area, a piece of land that needs to be protected, and then you can match up. A, a, a company or an investor with that? Yeah, no. So the way the way the, the way it works is that any any given piece of land um, is a carbon offset. It could be a grassland, and you know, usually, like all things, you know, the bigger the better because you have scale and and it's it's. I think it's frankly easier to raise five hundred million dollars today than it is to raise twenty, um, just because of the way that capital has pooled over the last ten or fifteen years. So you know, I think what you have to do is identify. Um, endangered land and that you know endangered what i mean by that is that that potentially um either it's been cut and it needs to be replanted that's one option or it's uncut you know we're looking at this this um, property in british columbia it's old growth forest it can be logged and so you identify that that um a situation and hopefully of course that it's a larger piece because it's easier and then a group of scientists come and and they kind of look at it and they determine what that carbon sink looks like and how many credits you produce annually and save. And, 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 and then you kind of um, get a number. And the number is how many credits you're going to get up front and then how many credits annually for 10, 20, 30, 40 years you're going to receive each year. And, um, you know, from there, you have to go from the, after you've created the plan and implemented it, those credits have to be registered. There are different standards. I think Vera is a great standard. Red, you know, excuse me, Vera is the exchange, but Red is the standard. And you register those credits. And once you've gone through that process, and that process doesn't take less than a year. I mean, in some cases, it takes more, a couple of years. Once you've gone through that process of creating the credits, protecting the land, buying the land, 
um, registering those credits, having those credits on the on the registry, you know, then of course you can sell them because it, they don't exist before then. Now, in certain situations, uh, big corporations are willing to part. In other situations, you know, they've just made a climate goal or a climate target, and they just want to buy credits. So, you know, it's a really interesting new and and um, developing market. I'll tell you, like one example of a group doing it differently is Apple. So, if you Look back now, a couple months ago, Apple said, you know, we're going to raise a few hundred million dollars. I think it was 300 uh, with Goldman. And they actually raised a fund to do it themselves. So they're going to go out and, and buy $300 million of forest land themselves for, for their climate goals. So you know, different companies are approaching it differently, like Delta Airlines. You know, they've bought a lot of credits from Rimbaraya in Indonesia, which is a project around an orangutan sanctuary. So um, you know, there are different people having different approaches, but I think the key is you got to have good science. And as you go through the creation of the credits, you need to use one of a handful of registries. Otherwise, the, the value in those credits is never really created because people won't buy them. Fascinating. And who is who is the is it different governmental agencies that that, that are able to register them? Anyway, look, if you're a big landowner. If, if your family has a ranch in Montana, you could write carbon credits. I mean, hypothetically speaking, you have 20 acres you could write one. I don't think the cost of putting together that program really makes any sense. But if you are a land, large landowner, you could be a tribe in the West in America or in Canada or, or anywhere for that matter. Uh, you could be a logging company. I mean, you can literally be, be anyone and write the credits. Now, you got to understand that depending on where you sit, once you once you write a credit, you've encumbered the forest. So you've uh, you know written maybe something akin to a conservation easement across those logs because you've agreed not to cut them down, <laughs> agreed not to cut them down. But um, you, know, so you have to think about the value of those credits over time and what you want to do with that land. But um, certainly anyone who has the time and energy can engage company a company to write those credits over their property if they want it. And and is 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 this an example of of what your company does? It's an example of a company that you know that I'm invested in is doing currently at the moment. So uh, I'm invested in a bunch of these projects, and you know we'll continue to do that going forward. But just because it's it's an interesting time, and you know just to put it in perspective, carbon in the regulated market, um, and just to really simplify the regulated market, that's the market where if you live in California the government requires you to offset your carbon footprint and you have to buy because you make one widget and um, one widget a day. So you need to buy one unit of carbon every day. So the regulated market is actually at all time highs. And, and even just to give you one more kind of insight into how big complex this market is that no one knows anything about is, you know, do you know why Tesla has been profitable? Do you have any idea? No, because they, they've been selling carbon credits. It's not because of the cars. It's because of the carbon credits they've been selling. If you look at the balance sheet, so I mean, it's just a lot of it's this massive market that, by some estimation, is going to dwarf uh, the hydrocarbon market someday. So it's this massive market. It's pretty early days. I mean, it started ten years ago, but it's really gotten going in the last couple of years. And it's a market that no one knows anything about. Um, it's it's uh, it's really unique in that way, and it also creates an opportunity. I mean. If you said, Anthony, like, what are some ways to invest? And I said, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of ways. I mean, I'm investing in a handful of private things. 
Um, there's one called, uh, this is a public one, Carbon Streaming Corp up in uh, Canada on the, on the Canadian Stock Exchange. And, you know, there's a, there's a couple ways, but I think uh, you could buy the carbon credits directly for the regulated market. I mean, there's a, there's a handful of ways, but um, considering where this market's going and how important it is, it's still really early days in the evolution of investment products for investors who, who actually want to take a view. Fascinating. I am certainly one of those people who didn't know anything about it until right now, Anthony. So, <laughs> so I, 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 I appreciate you, uh, you coming on the show. Um, so your, your, your advice to people who, who do want to learn more, how, how, how would you counsel them? To yeah. Go about I mean, that? what you were, yeah. So, so, so I think, I think, um, Microsoft has put out a great report. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the Twitter account. It's Anthony underscore Maluski. And a lot of the stuff I post, uh, post on there, but there are a handful of great reports. Uh, all the big investment banks like Goldman and City have started to write research in particular on the regulated markets. But I think what you're going to see here in the coming year, you know, it's a handful of new projects and, and ways to invest in the volunteer markets. I mean, there's a bunch of technology out there, carbon capture. So what we've been talking about in the volunteer market is called a nature-based solution, which is, you know, we want to solve at least part of the problem through, through saving forests and wetlands. That's a nature-based solution. But another solution that people are working on is a technical solution where they create this, you know, big machine that takes carbon out of the air. And I'm not involved in any of those projects. I prefer the nature-based solutions, but I'll tell you in the coming year or two, you know, you'll see a huge number of, of offerings um, that will allow investors to have exposure to different parts of, of that supply chain of creation of, of carbon, carbon credits. So it's happening. Nice. Love it. Well, Anthony, the people are ready for that difference-making tip. What do you have for them? No, I, I think that um, the biggest tip is, you know, to follow your imagination. I, I think that people are so limited by all these norms and ideas and rules that, that you get put on you as you grow up and then you go through school. And, you know, what I would say is, you know, follow your dream. I mean, if, what do you, whatever you like, um, you're only you're only limited by what you can imagine could be true. And so I think you got to sometimes just take a chance and go for a big idea. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, uh, Anthony underscore Maluski. Uh, I'm on Instagram, although I think Twitter's a better place for me and, and the content, and then also on LinkedIn as well. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Anthony your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can find Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Maluski. Find him on Instagram, and I will list all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Anthony. Thanks a lot for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.